You're listening to the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with Michael Philpott, providing you inspiration, information, knowledge, and motivation to help you on your soul's path. Covering topics related to health and happiness from the mystical to the metaphysical and everything in between. Making the unknown known. Now let's join the podcast to discover today's topic. But I'm noticing, I don't know about you, I'm noticing as I get older, or maybe this is because I become more aware, I'm noticing that a lot of the shows I just can't watch anymore. 100%. Yeah? Do you find the same thing? Well, it's funny. I mean, if I look back like 10 years ago before I awakened or I went through like my spiritual journey, you know, I would watch anything and I would not be bothered by it. Didn't matter the content. Like, you know, I I liked horror films, which is really, you know, quite gory. And as I started to go through my spiritual awakening and evolve, it's like I got more sensitive to the nature of things that I was watching. And then it almost came to a point where like I can't put on a horror film without like feeling extremely disturbed like I, I can't watch them like I like not even like a couple seconds and even Netflix like I'll put something on it it'll seem like it's okay but something in me is resistant to even that programming yeah. so yeah it's definitely interesting and what they call it it's real programming because basically they're programming you and that's that's an interesting whole topic we can go down that rabbit hole but I want to talk to you about your spiritual waking because I remember um, the last time we talked and that was like a lifetime ago when uh, you were shadowing uh, Dr. Lana, when she was using me as a, uh, you know, a pin cushion there in their acupuncture clinic, Mm -hmm. um, you made the switch from allopathic to naturopathic uh, uh, schools. What was the reason? Was it part of your spiritual awakening that you'd made that flip or what was the reason why you you made that switch from from going into being a medical doctor into a naturopathic doctor? Yeah. So, I mean, it was my spiritual awakening and that was one of the hardest decisions I can honestly say that I've made in my life, just because I mean, Western medicine is so respected and so known, you know, and even like my family, who's very Western medicine, like everybody is on that team. And it's funny because I have this one story where, I mean, I always believe that the universe puts you in situations before they happen. And I was in a debate and it was in my medical school and it was me against another student and it was secondary care versus primary care. So conjunctive therapy, which is like naturopathic medicine, acupuncture versus primary care. And everybody in the room was on the side of primary care. And I lost the debate and I was like, oh my God, like this was almost an impossible debate because I'm fighting against a room full of people who are already on that side. And I just remember that experience. I was like, I don't know if, you know, if secondary care even matters because, you know, a lot of people, the, essentially the argument that was presented, it was like primary care was it, right? So anyways, back to my spiritual awakening, what happened essentially was it was like one day, I swear, like rose colored glasses were just taken off. The whole world that I had seen, had known was just all of a sudden different And, you know, a lot of the times I explain that to people and they're like, how can it just change? And it's the best way to think about it is that, you know, you're on one track and you believe something to be true and everything that you, you know, didn't think was true is on the other side. And then all of a sudden you just switch and you start seeing all of these other possibilities that just weren't in your field before, you know, it's like manifestation. It's like the law of attraction. Like when you think of a car, you see it. It was kind of like that experience, but I was doing that with medicine. So I'm sitting in my class and I was two and a half years into the program. And I'm like, why would we use these drugs when, you know, there's other other possibilities? Like, is this really the route? And then 
you know, if we're not curing things, are we really getting to the root of the problem? So I started bringing up these questions and then that's when I started to get a lot of resistance in the medical field. You know, my profs were, I got sent to the principal office. (laughs) Like I actually got written up for, you know, thinking a different way. And it was just on you for that. How dare you think a different way? I know. And it was like, well, like, wouldn't you, you would think that they, that medical establishment would want to be curious. Like we're in the art and the science of healing people. Exactly. It's like an ending journey. That's science. It's like discovery. Right. So I was like, why wouldn't we want to be open to those possibilities? And why wouldn't we want to talk about it? And that resistance was huge, I guess, for my ego a little bit, because it was like, what? like, how can you not want to know the truth? But then also like looking at medical science a little bit differently and almost degrading my trust because, you know, I had put so much faith in them. And then all of a sudden my truth and their truth were colliding. And then it really became a moral ethical decision. It was like, are you going to spend your rest of your, the rest of your life on this track? And do you think that you're going to be able to have a profession under those guidelines or do you leave and make your own way and, and live your essential truth? And that was the end decision. Wow. That must've been huge because you spent so much time. Could you think about your post-secondary, you know, graduating university, you spent a lot of time kind of focusing in that direction. Now, was that when you decided in, in university that you were going to go into medicine or it was there something else? Because you, you know, you take that four years or five years or six years, whatever, you know, how long you've been working. And then you all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm going to screw it. I'm going to go try to something else. Yeah. That must've so- been, must been difficult. Like people must be looking at you and go, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I always wanted to be a doctor. Like it's always been in my blood. I remember like grade 11, I did a project on how I was going to be an anesthesiologist. Like I've just always wanted to be a doctor. Um, so, you know, it was 2016, that was two years into my Western medical program. So after undergrad, I, I started the two years abroad and then that's when the spiritual awakening happened. And it's like you said, I was just, there was so much resistance when I was leaving. People were like, you're giving up money. You're giving up responsibility. You're giving up status. You're giving up all of these things. And it was just, I mean, what money was one of the huge ones because you know, the amount of student debt that comes with medical school. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I mean, just the general, uh, I mean, our tuition is not so bad up here, like in Canada, it's not as crazy as the U S so, you know, that's kind of a blessing, but still the occurring costs of that. And then you're going over abroad. So there's probably additional feeds too. So where were you studying in? Were you studying in Europe somewhere? I was studying in Bahrain. So it's right beside Saudi Arabia. So it's actually the Middle East. It was an Irish school though. It's called RCSI. That's so bizarre. Like, yeah, yeah, you'd expect an Irish school being in Ireland, but you're all the way in the Middle East. Tell me about it. I mean, that's a whole story on its own. I didn't know initially it was in the Middle East, but yeah. That is a, yeah. Oh my God. That is interesting. Like, I mean, how, I mean, how did you get to Bahrain then? Like, how did that all happen? <sighs> divine. Honestly, it was divine guidance. I, I, I wanted to get into RCSI. So the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland. And at that time I didn't realize they had two schools. So their main one is in Dublin. And then they have two other ones, one in Malaysia and one in Bahrain. And when I applied to RCSI, like I said, I thought it was Ireland and then when I accepted it, it wasn't until I kind of got the brochures and everything that I was like, this looks like the Middle East, like this looks like the desert. And then I was like, okay, well, I mean, I want to go to medical school and whatever experience I'm supposed to be experiencing, I will do. And yeah, that's kind of how it happened. You know, I, I had another uh, uh, person on my podcast and she's a chiropractor and she did her training in Europe. And it was basically a lot of the same thing. It was just 
it was just meant to be like she was telling me the story how everything's lined up all the synchronicities had to line up to get her over to Europe and then you know finding the brochure and it wasn't like a, a big popular thing at the time and in Europe and she was telling me that you know chiropractors was for the most part was illegal in throughout Europe yeah. and she, she was telling me all this story and I said you know it just sounds so so familiar so if I had to ask you what are some of the takeaways that you got from your medical training your allopathic and how have you how have you kind of bridged the gap into your holistic you know training now because a lot of them, they have similarities, mm -hmm. but then where do the similarities stop? Good question. Excellent question. So I think- I try of, to have those. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> one of the things that I think we really get stuck with in naturopathic medicine or with medicine in general is that everybody wants one way to be right. It's black or white. You're on team left or you're on team right. And with Western medicine, don't get me wrong. They do amazing things when it comes to acute medicine. Like if I- you know, have my bone, like if I get an um, MVA, like a, a motor vehicle accident, I'm going to go to Western medicine because naturopathic medicine is not going to put my bone back in the right place. Right. So they're really great with that. They're also really great with diagnostics. Like the fact that we have accessibility to x-rays, but like MRIs, CTs, there are situations where those are fantastic as well as cultures. So if you have like a, a severe infectious disease, you know, it's nice to know what that pathogen is. The line to me is the use of synthetic pharmacology. Okay. Chemistry, so, just keep working on the chemistry angle of it. Okay. So there's certain things like antibiotics, fantastic in a certain degree at a certain severity, right? So when we move into natural medicine, all of the synthetic drugs are essentially extracts of natural medicine, right? We've taken like fox, foxyglove digoxin, I think it's called, is a heart medication. It's an herb, it's called foxyglove. And it essentially, you know, is put into a more concentrated form and that's why it's used in, as a synthetic. There are certain situations like heart attacks, you know what I mean, where you need immediate relief. Of That's course. where naturopathic medicine is not necessarily as fast, right? Like when we look at herbalism, when we look at botanical medicine, sometimes it's, you know, uh, longer acting. It takes longer to get into the system because it's not in that concentrated form. So there's certain situations where the chemistry for acute is amazing. But when we're going into something more chronic, you have to look at two sides. And when I'm looking at pharmaceuticals, I'm looking at synthetics, right? And the biggest thing with synthetics is the liver. So if we're going to look at an organ, it's what is the what is happening with the liver? Because the liver is what is what's going to process it essentially. Now, the liver can only take so much. It's like any organ. So how much are you putting onto the liver on top of your diet? Because a lot of us don't have great diets. That puts a lot of stress on the liver. Yeah. We, yeah. we have, you know, emotional, stressful lives. Again, like in Chinese medicine, the liver is a huge hit for that. Yep. So you're putting all this stress on the liver on top of the pharmaceuticals, it's going to give way at some point. Yeah. It's not going to be able to handle it. And then that's when we see multi-organ involvement, right? It's like all of a sudden, you know, in woman reproductive, for instance, it's like the liver goes first, which isn't Western medicine to a degree, you know, they look at just the ovaries, but it's actually the liver that goes first. Then it's the adrenal glands get stressed, then the thyroid gets stressed, and then the ovaries get stressed. It's that, that is the end tissue organ. Yeah, so that's the cascade effect from starting at one area and then working its way down into the various other levels. And each one, you know, correspondingly 
reacting differently because one's out of balance, one's way out of whack. And then it's trying to, you know, compensate in some ways to produce a level of chemistry or a level of, of, uh, information, whatever it's trying to communicate with the other cells. It's just not happening. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. You talk about the liver. I know I've been having liver issues for, for, well, for, well, for years, but now I'm just noticing now it's like, I have a lot of like a liver heat, you know? So I haven't seen a Chinese practitioner, a good practitioner on way, if you're listening, um, (laughs) she's a, she's a good friend, but yeah, I noticed like caffeine, alcohol, you know, red meat, those things have really increased. I mean, I had a lot of emotional stuff too. And I'm a very emotional guy. I hold all my emotions in my body. So that was the big thing for me. I'm learning. But uh, the idea of like, you know, coffee, that has been the struggle for me, like how much heat it produces in the liver and how much it affect. And I've been struggling with it. I mean, I, I know people have go, I can't live without my coffee. No. I get that now. I, I get that now. Like I, I've been struggling with, so right now I've kind of been going like five days on one day off nice. and then two days, two days off one day and just kind of more cycling it to see how it affects. But I do notice when I went that five days, I noticed my skin started clearing up my digestion. I mean, it was a little wonky at first because, you know, caffeine, we all know it's a nice little bowel stimulant it always helps in the morning and it gives you that pick me up. Well, oh my God, when you go back on coffee after that, you just get, it's almost like I had like 20 Red Bulls, a line of cocaine and something else. Like my heart was racing. Like I was just so jacked. I was literally, my apartment is so small. I was basically cleaning my apartment like six times. It was so bad. And then I realized it's like, okay, I got to get off this stuff. Like, this is crazy. Next day I feel like crap. You go for that withdrawal. I mean, I don't know about you, but is there any like things that you've seen with caffeine? I mean, I'm not going to hear to bash caffeine, but I know it is like that le- one legal drug that we all love yep. that nobody really talks about. I find uh, caffeine, uh, caffeine is fascinating because the science behind it, do you know about adenosine? A little bit, but you know, this is the whole uh, reason why I have this program. So you can educate me and everybody else. All right. So adenosine is really cool because it's essentially like um, a phosphorylate, like ATP, which is adenosine. So the energy system. Exactly. Adenosine triphosphate um, essentially is what gives us our like powerhouse, our energy. So what it actually does is it builds up during the day. And when it reaches high levels, it triggers the body to go into sleep mode. So throughout the day, we'll get tired. We'll start using up energy and adenosine will build up and it'll go, Hey, it's time to sleep. It's time to rest, recharge. And when we're sleeping, the adenosine levels go back down to normal. So we rejuvenate, we restore, and we start off the day again. When we're doing coffee, essentially we're tapping away that adenosine level. So it's not building. So it'll be like a little pile of adenosine. So the body doesn't think it's tired, even though it is, which is why you'll have like sleep onset insomnia because your adenosine levels are not communicating properly with the chemistry. So yeah, so, your chemistry is way out of whack. So it just kind of, it's kind of like, what's going on here? What are we doing? Like what's I, happening? Your I brain. I'm good. Yeah. So do you have any techniques or any ways, I mean, to kind of get through this? Is there, I mean, any, I've just heard like, you just got to, you just got to motor through it. You just got to go cold Turkey, drink lots of water and that's it. Is there anything that's, you know, that's, you know, through your research and through your schooling right now, have you found to kind of help bridge that gap? Yeah. Well, I mean, in the research, it's funny because it's very contradictory, right? Like some research will say coffee is horrible. Some will say it's awesome. Some will say it's got a great antioxidant property and it's good for blood flow. 
Um, in terms of the energy gradient, like if you do have chronic inflammation, if you've got, you know, liver issues, if you've got brain fog, it really is kind of a cold turkey approach with coffee, but it doesn't mean you have to go cold turkey with caffeine. And I think a lot of us, you know, forget that green tea has caffeine in it, you know, black teas have caffeine in it and it's a, a, a lower dosage. So instead of going cold turkey and putting yourself in like complete shock, just go to teas and then taper down and see how your natural energy restores because it's a restorative okay. process, right? Yeah, that makes so sense. Yeah, so if we can taper it a little bit, then your body will start to be able to use its own energy and that will become the new norm. And then you'll be able to taper down from the tea. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm starting to drink tea, but I've just been doing herbal tea. I, I've been just trying to get it's like, okay, I'll also just do it. Like I'm one of those guys where it's like, if I die, decide to do something, I usually kind of go full in and yep. just, you know, kind of go screw it. I mean, being an Aries, that, that's kind yeah, of like my all style. Or <laughs> all or nothing, right? Just get her done. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, I do I do enjoy a cup of coffee once in a while, um, but I'm finding it less and less enjoyable. That's just one of those things. My body's kind of going, all right, dude, you're getting up there in age and, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're not, you're not paying attention to us down here. Like, just get this figured out. Mm-hmm. Now, it's interesting when you talk about the research. I've always had this not a disdain for research because I always wonder who's backing the research when it comes to, you know, because they always say this product is bad. This product is bad. And this product is good. And this product is that, well, who's funding? Like, for example, let's say coffee is supposed to have all these properties. Well, who's funding that research? And is it biased? Is it a biased research? Is they looking for just health benefits in which, you know, sometimes I think they are. I don't know if you found that in your research too, as well, or Oh, I'm the same. Yeah. I mean, it really comes back to the same thing, right? It's like, just be autonomous and know, like it comes back to discernment, right? Like when I'm reading research, it's just, I just want to know, you know, the chemistry or the mechanism mechanism of action, but the results, like you said, it's like, well, who funded this study? Well, a lot of the times, you know, even in pharmaceuticals or natural medicine, it's funded by the company who's trying to sell you the product. Right. That makes total sense. So it's like, even natural medicine, it's like, I can't say brands because it's like blasphemy, but you know, like certain brands will fund certain products and then it's like, well, it does this so we can market this. And then that's the legalities of health Canada, right? You have to have research in order to make medical claims on a product. So the same, I mean, if you look at, you know, the dairy industry, it has a lot of research, you know, that supports dairy for certain medical conditions. Well, there's research, you know, that shows dairy actually doesn't do that. And there's testimonials that show, you know, dairy doesn't do that. And same with type two diabetes, you know, like their, their organization, they have a whole bunch of research on what you should be eating and shouldn't be eating and all that kind of stuff. But again, they funded these studies and have had payoffs from dairy farmers and from cows, you know, cow farmers, all of that kind of stuff. So at the end of the day, traditionally what works. And that's what I love actually about traditional Chinese medicine. And in our naturopathic scope, we have, you know, all of those different modalities. We have botanical medicine, we have homeopathy, we have traditional Chinese medicine. Technically the research is not necessarily funded by anything. And it's based on something that's an ancient text. You know what I mean? So like anything there, there can be human manipulation, but it's, it came in an era before human manipulation became common, before money started to drive science rather than science driving science. 
Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, that's the great thing about Chinese medicine. I always had these talks with people who are practitioners and it always kind of baffles me at the same time. But, you know, being me being the kind of the spiritual guy that I am and I love that sort of information, it's like, how do they come up with trying to figure out that they were these meridians showed up in the body? Like, you know, I, I would, like, yeah, I would love to know, like, you know, did they have a download from, from, from the ethers, from the, the, the hall of records or something, they tapped into something, something mystical and, you know, bam, they just kind of saw it or maybe they were just so super clairvoyant that they saw the, the field within the body and they started writing it down and they just passed it on and training. So I, I love all that great stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so cool when you look into ancient history, I'm a huge history buff. Like I love like ancient aliens, history channel, like anything history. And it's amazing what medical science used to be like, you know, in Egypt and in the Mayan era and, you know, the, the Chinese cultures and the emperors and all of that kind of stuff. They used botanical medicine, they used energy medicine, and their understanding of the body was completely different than our current medical practice. Yeah, like, where do you think that switch came? Like, it was just because the invention of science that really changed how we perceive medicine. It just seemed like all of a sudden that we went from, you know, it's like, you know, all these type of ancient healing and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden it was more like Western medicine, bang, and it just kind of exploded everywhere. Mm-hmm. Was there a certain time frame, or where, where do we lose our, our way when it came to it? Well, it's funny because, I mean, you can call it conspiracy and some will call it conspiracy, but if you go down the rabbit hole enough, you start to see the transition and what people started buying certain industries. And, you know, the names kind of are the same throughout that timeline, but we don't have to get into that. Essentially what happened is when money became a huge currency and when money became power, became control, I think that's when, you know, it became an opportunity instead of, you know, an art, instead of healing. It it made that transition of, you know, sick people, unfortunately, you know, we can make money off them and we can patent these things and we can, it's when our morals made the switch. And I, I believe that was, you know, late 1800s to the 1900s when it was kind of planned. You know what I mean? It was kind of set in stone this is what we need to do to get this to do this to do this and it kind of evolved that way and became this way you know and and the first real separation is that you need a human to feel powerless you need a human to rely on external things you know what i mean it we do that we do that all the time and then as soon as you take what a human thinks they are and you reverse that like you know, if you, if you don't think that you're connected to anything, if you don't think there's a God or a source and you don't think that you, you have energy or, you know, you don't really understand your body, then you're never going to have power to heal because it's always going to be like, you need something like, look at what we're going through right now on a mass level. Yeah. You it's know? it's crazy. Yeah. This whole COVID stuff. Yeah. It's, but we don't think that we innately, like we're waiting for saviors. We're waiting for yes. people to help us. And it's that consciousness that we don't even know who we are at our core, because if you knew who you were, then that wouldn't even be a question. Like, regardless of what I'm hit with, you know, I don't yeah. need anybody. Yeah. That's uh, that's very deep and very, very spiritual. Yeah. And is this part of where you're going with your, with how you see your, your practice happening? Is this where the kind of direction you want to go in really kind of educating people in, in more of a, a proactive way versus a reactive way? when it comes to your, your practice? 
Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I went through my own journey with PCOS and, you know, I was 16 and I was told that, you know, I was never So gonna... just to clarify, what was that? Uh, PCOS. So it's polycystic ovarian syndrome. Okay. So anyways, I got that diagnosis and the doctor told me that, you know, I was going to have issues with fertility and I probably was never going to have kids. And that was something that I held so long. I was just like, you know, I'm never going to have kids. I'm never going to have a normal period. Like this is my life. And then there was a change moment where I was like, you know, what is this serving me? Like, is this identity serving me? And as soon as I made that switch, I was able to then heal myself. And I got, you know, a miracle period. And, you know, the cysts went away and all of a sudden I was able to heal this. And I work a lot with fertility. I I work a lot with women and, you know, these women hold these identities that, you know, it's hard to get pregnant and that, you know, you can't get pregnant without medical intervention. Well, medical intervention IVF is also $20,000 a cycle. Of course, there's, there's the money issue. There's the thing right there. It's a business. And if you get that, if you get that kind of label already, you think about it, right? Like you've already kind of pre-programmed, they pre-program already because we're already, we're so susceptible. I can't even speak right now, but uh, the idea is that, yeah, I love the fact that, you know, you change that mindset and um, now I never really worked with uh, people directly in fertility, um, but in my Reiki practice, when I had the clinical practice too, as well, I, I did see some women that were looking at having ovarian issues. And, and that's one of my, one of my healers that I work with. She's like, if you knew the power of belief, you know, you wouldn't question anything. Like we forget how powerful belief is. And, you know, like Bruce Lipton, have you heard of Bruce Lipton? Yes. Uh, I just had a conversation uh, yesterday about Bruce, but yes, I love Bruce. I love Dr. Joe. I love all those guys. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's the power of the mind and it's basic science. Like what I'm really understanding is that the meridian system and everything just communicates with the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system. It all comes back to the nervous system and the nervous system is energy. It's literally energy. So if you just rework science, it's like the subconscious mind, all it's doing is communicating and reprogramming the nervous system, which is reprogramming your energy system, which essentially is what's communicating with the outer world. That's so true. Right? Yeah. So oh, you're preaching to the choir here, sister. Don't worry about that. Yeah. yeah like I, 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 it makes so much sense. You know, it is really basic. And I was some, one of the things that I loved about uh, a lot of these guys coming out now or in, in ladies who are producing these books and they kind of have that science base, but they break it down into a very, very interesting levels. And they talk about, you know, I know Dr. Joe was talking about, uh, you know, on an atomic level and the mm-hmm. information, what's the information, you know, you know, if you can communicate with that, the cells are communicating and the cells communicate the tissues of this it's all just information. If you're just getting the right information down there, everything mm-hmm. starts, it, your body actually knows what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love that stuff. And I think actually, well, with the age of Aquarius, it's supposed to be the introduction of like technology and frequency and energy medicine and all of that kind of stuff, right? And comes back to the basis of a cell. Like what is a cell doing? It's vibrating at a frequency. Yeah. Right? Yeah, love that. I, I love the idea of the, it's just, it's a vibration. One of my big... Um, people that I really follow a lot is Edgar Casey. I don't know if you're familiar with Edgar Casey. Yes. 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 Love. I mean, he talked about vibration and it's all about, you know, the whole world is basically vibrating and it's you, you like attracts like, you know, and so on. But uh, the idea with vibrational medicine, it's been around forever. I think that's was probably the natural way of healing was through vibrational medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, you- is that what you're finding in your research too, as well? Like, I mean, cause I know you're kind of a history buff. You're looking back and 
trying to study like how they did it back in the days and yes <laughs> i'm actually i i love nikola tesla yes so he is one of my favorites and his experiments were just like i just i look at that and i'm like how did we get here like we had somebody like Nikola Tesla who just was so amazing and he was using like copper and he was using organite and he was, he was correcting cancer through like frequency chambers. Yeah. Like, you know, it's interesting. I talk about frequency chambers. I was uh, doing some research and I was like, was it, uh, well, hopefully I don't screw this up. I think it was, they were talking about in the back of the Atlantis, that's how they had vibrational chambers so that they'd extend life. Like this human body it can heal itself and they figured out how to extend life. So from what I mean, this is ancient readings, um, but uh, the vibrational chambers, they put the body in and you'd live to like a thousand years old. Yeah. You know, I mean, that would be, can you imagine marketing that? I know. Like, I mean, I, I don't think aging is a thing. I think aging is something that we've created. Yeah. I, I, I firmly believe that. I believe that the body can, you know, live longevity. Um, it's just because, you know, with the chemicals, the stress levels, everything else, it's, and it's also, it's another, like you say, it's a business. Everything's a business these days, know. you know, health, you know, the health industry, the medical industry, everything's really about business. It's about how we can make money off sick people or make them better. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's kind of, it comes back to, I'm fascinated with DNA recently. I love the concept of DNA because I feel like our understanding of DNA is so limited. Like we know maybe 5% of what DNA does. And we know a lot about DNA. Like we know a lot about genomics and you know how much DNA and what it does, but we really only know 5% of, of true what DNA does. Yeah. It's just one of those untapped things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just fascinating. There's just so many, so many, so many things that we don't know. And I always look at, you know, it's like you, you, you may have to live like the 200, 300 years just to kind of figure it all out. It's just so much to know, or like they say, just lifetimes. It's just it's lifetimes after lifetimes. You know, you may not get it all in this lifetime, but you'll have a bank of memory bank for the, your consciousness. Will remember for the next time you come back in here, if you yeah. decide to come back in here. I'm gonna take a couple of years off Earth, but uh. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's for most people. It's like it's like if I had to do it over again, you know, I think I might. I might have not come back in this this particular meat suit, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I might I, I might come back when everything's kind of normal and kind of just cohesive, and you know, there's a little bit more love and happiness around instead of all this craziness. <laughs> I feel that, yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people like they just kind of like I'm done, I'm done, I'm never coming back, I'm never coming back. But then you know, I always look at there's the laws of karma and stuff like that that you know you still need to process, so you may have to come back, you know. Not okay. next year, but the year after that. But uh, you may, you know, may may take a few journeys of different lives in different places before you decide to come back on this on this planet. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day too, and it's like it is such an opportunity. Like when you look at how fast. I mean, I'm gonna go a little, you know, woo woo, but oh, how woo -woo. that's okay. How fast the planet is healing, and how how much trauma karma everything is coming to the surface we're clearing all of our bloodlines so everybody who is here right now just by being here you are clearing past lives trauma generations that's a huge opportunity and as, as crappy as it looks you know on the surface it's like we're going through covid you know humanity might be like you know doomsday but we're going in a good direction 
and we're get, being given the opportunity as souls to evolve in an accelerated manner, which I genuinely believe most souls don't have the opportunity to do. This is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. That's a lot of my perspective and how I, I see it too as well. Like there's a lot of processing and, you know, there's a lot of people talking about this, those same subjects where it's about, you know, lifetimes of clearing up stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I know on my own personal journey and my own family, uh, you know, lineage and stuff like that, I'm the only one on on my side that's actually on my family's and my both sides, my dad's and my mom's that are actually doing any work. Yeah. It's, 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 it's mind boggling to see so many people are, you know, here trying to process and, and go through all that stuff at a, on a deeper level and a soul level. And, and I think that's what it comes down to. And I think that's part of, you know, people understanding that, you know, we're going to be here for a long time. This, the soul is, it's infinite, right? You're going to have to get used to living with yourself. You better start liking yourself and, you know, and start working through it um, because you're just going to repeat that whole cycle again. So it is a great opportunity uh, with what's happening. It's just going to get uglier. Like if you don't face it, the way that we're moving and the frequencies that are coming in, it's just going to get harder, you know? And it's funny because I follow astrology huge and you know, what, what we're in and what the Schumans are doing and all of that kind of thing. And it's, I, I see it with the people around me and it's like, your trauma is just reflecting back to you and it's progressively getting worse. And it's just going to keep doing that till you get to a place where you actually can't handle it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I still believe that too, as well. Like, I mean, that's part of the reasons why I do this channel is just to provide the information to, you know, for people to, you know, whether it's uh, like yourself, somebody who's a student, uh, maybe I can edit that out, but that's okay. I'm sorry. It happens. It's, it's not the, it's not the first time it's a podcast. This is what happens. Me. You know, it's interesting too. I've had, uh, I've had uh, a doctor on and her kids were just running back and forth and she's like, hold on yelling out the back, you know, Hey, I'm on a podcast. And it's like, okay, how am I going to edit that one out all the time? But it was just, it was funny, but you know, it is what it is. It makes it authentic. It makes it real. Well, that's part of it. You know, it's just, you know, I've been in television for so many years and it's always edited and perfection and stuff like that. I want to kind of just keep it real. I don't do a lot of fancy editing. I don't have the tech anyways. Well, I do have the kind of the tech, but not the knowledge at this time. So I don't really, I don't worry about it too much. It's just two people having conversations, talking about all the amazing things that's happening and try to provide some information, some knowledge and some motivation, maybe inspire somebody to who's suffering right now that, uh, you know, to, to find help and have like, maybe one of my shows, maybe it's uh, somebody talking about inner child work or, you know, we're talking about soul work and things like that, you know, maybe kind of inspire them to kind of go, mm, wait a minute, maybe I need to start looking at this and start healing this. Maybe I need to start healing those wounds, you know, uh, of my family or, of the wounds I've had as a child and, uh, and pursue that. Uh, and then how do I work around uh, certain health issues? That's why I love having like people who are doctors, chiropractors, naturopathic, you know, all the good stuff, like just trying to bring the whole picture there. So it's like pick and choose something, you know, mm-hmm. it's not every, like you said, it's not, you know, there's not one set system. Some systems will work for some people, some weren't like some people love therapy. Some people just won't get anything out of therapy. But, you know, they do an energy session and they release, you know, lifetimes of trauma from one energy session. So, yeah, we're all going to the same place. We'll all get where we need to go. I truly, I believe that's why there's so many practitioners, you know, I believe that's why there's so many people who do different things. And I think that's important. And I guess just to touch on that, like we're going 
5D, right? We're, we're moving up in consciousness. And it really comes from us being able to release. Like just some of those wounds, like, I mean, some of the stuff I've seen through my practice, it's, it's heart-wrenching. And sometimes I don't even want to see it and I get shown it anyways, but at the same time, you gotta, you gotta heal that. Like that, that trauma sits in there yeah. and you know, a lot of it's just through this lifetime. And, you know, um, I'm a big, uh, big fan of people doing their inner child work and getting that healed, which will just kind of, uh, just open doors for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it gets, it's really that mental, emotional and spiritual aspects that we miss. And that's something that I'm very, very very big on is that whole spiritual component, but also the mental emotional aspect of too, and those energies getting trapped in the body. Cause that's what it comes down to from my understanding is it, we're just that energy gets stuck and yeah. you got to get it out there. You got to get a release and it could be in, in various different forms, but it's an energy. So you have to kind of get that out, but yeah, it's just that really dark stuff that they don't want to approach. They want to keep it in the bubble and kind of, like you say, keep that safe space because they don't want to expose that raw, that rawness. And I understand that I have had some real shitty stuff in my childhood and, you know, just by my, my own work and my own stuff, just trying to work through it and my own experiences, it allowed me to be able to speak about it too, as well. So it's not so raw and real and scary. And, you know, cause you know, I just, you really need to kind of take that personal responsibility. And once you heal yourself, it allows everybody else to heal around you. And that's what I firmly believe. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of the times too, we don't consciously see it. You know what I mean? It's like in that instance, for example, they thought they were doing the right thing. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it was so subconscious that I could see through why that scenario played out the way that it did. But to them, it was just, they were just creating harmony. They were creating a safe space. So I guess my question to people, you know, is even if you don't necessarily see it, some of the best feedback is how it impacts the people around you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And how, how people are responding and how, you know, what other people think of you, not necessarily what other people think of you, because that can be projection, but you know what I mean? Like if you can't consciously see it and you don't know it's there, sometimes the best feedback is the universe, which is the mirror. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing too, is, you know, doing that mirror work, you know, it's interesting. You'd be talking, uh, it's interesting all the people I've had on my show over the last uh, couple of months have all either talked about a lot of the same things that you're talking about, but just in different smaller chunks of it. So like they touched on it, you know, dealing with inner child work, doing mirror work and, you know, being the mirror and you're seeing stuff, what's happening. You're just reflection what's happening around you. So there's chaos and things like that. That's what's happening internally, yeah. drama, all that stuff. There's anger, emotion. That's just being a reflection of what's happening internal. You got to mm-hmm. get that healed. Like it, that's, you know, I'm, I mean, again, the precipice of this whole show was just basically to help people get their, get healed, you know, try to provide them something that, you know, will help them uh, on this journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And they'll definitely be, you know, divinely guided to whatever they're supposed to hear. You know, like if you're here listening to this, then there's a reason that you've chosen this one. Exactly. You know? So, yeah. So how much more longer do you have before you, uh, you graduate from school? I'm a year away, just oh, over really? a year. Yeah. Wow. So what do you, do you write your boards after that? Or how does that work? Yeah. So I have to write one of my, so there's two sets of boards. So I've got to write my first board probably in August is what I'm aiming for. Okay. And then when I graduate, I've got my second board, which is my final board, my licensing board and my prescription write board. So I've got okay. about three exams. So no problem. You'll ace That's those. Fine. They'll, They'll be, be fine. Fun. You'll be a, you're a rock star anyways. <laughs> 
So um, I always like to ask my guests um, if they can just leave a little bit of uh, knowledge or information or uh, inspiration to the listeners out there, anything that you can kind of leave them with that uh, maybe will help brighten up their day. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I'm feeling called to say this, but just remember how powerful you are, you know, go within and all of those voices that say you're not enough or you're not worthy or you're not capable, you know, whatever that is, that limitation is not you because you are infinite. You are part of something that is so magnificent. And when you just feel that for even if it's a second in meditation or, you know, a walk uh, where you're admiring nature, if you can find that moment to just feel the whole of who you are, and it can be as simple as setting that intention of just, I want to feel this, that will open your horizon of what you think is truly possible for yourself. And if you can create that one moment, then you're gonna be able to create those moments in the future. And being who you are is the biggest gift, not only to yourself, but the biggest gift to everybody around you because we don't live in lack anymore. We live in abundance. And you being your fullest version is capable for everybody around you. It doesn't dim anyone's light. It doesn't shadow anyone. It's just being of service. So if there's anything I'm going to leave with you, just remember that you're, you're full and you're whole and you are capable and you are so powerful. Wow. That just got chills and the goosebumps on that. Well, thank you. I mean, I really appreciate that because that's, that's what it's really all about. And I can see it really comes from the heart. Like you really speak it like, and that's, that's really important. I think that's why you're going to be, you're going to be a very busy and uh, practitioner. I think people are going to be flocking to you and stuff like that. So Melanie, if people were looking to contact you, how would they do that? Absolutely. So my site is melanielegend.com. It's currently a blog space. So if you want to read up on herbal med herbal medicine, if you want to read up on uh, recipes and that kind of stuff, I think I'm going to have homeopathy on there as well. Information is there. Okay. Uh, you can also, it will lead you to Theta Fertility Tea, which is my new tea company. It's an herbal tea company. Very um, cool healing yes and then if you want to send me an email i'm info at melanielegend.com and i'm also on instagram which is melanie.legend but if you type melanie legend into google you'll find everything about me everywhere i am perfect okay. that is fantastic well melanie it's been a pleasure thank you absolutely for i am really excited i you know I, you're gonna do some such good things out there you know um and uh, i'm really excited to see what you what you're gonna be doing and healing all those people out there and that being said, uh, we're out of time here. So I'm just going to close off this segment here with my closing. So this has been the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with Michael Philpott. Thank you so much for joining me today and we'll see you soon. Goodbye for now.